listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. The American Pharmacists Association's annual conference is coming soon. March 24th through 27th in Phoenix, Arizona, the APHA 2023 will bring together thousands of pharmacists and pharmacy professionals united to move our profession forward. Join the Pharmacy Podcast Network as a media partner of this year's APHA 2023 on the trade show floor and plan to share your vision to the future of pharmacy. Together, we all rise in the face of adversity. It's Valentine's Day. Rachel, happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day, Tom. So it's actually not Valentine's Day. It's Friday, uh, the 17th of February. But this is This Week in Pharmacy, and we made it our Valentine's Day special. What are you doing for Valentine's? Or what did you do for Valentine's Day is what I should say. We're not really doing much today, but I think Saturday we're going to do like a little trip to... Morgantown and grab a bite to eat. Something simple. We don't really go all out for Valentine's Day. Yeah. We're going to do, I'm going to cook dinner. Um, my Valentine, uh, Nicole, hasn't been feeling well. So I'm going to do steak. And I was going to do risotto based on our discussion earlier today. But um, she wants to do, I think, rice or something else. But whatever. Hey, if it's a husband making dinner for a tired wife that doesn't feel well, I think it, I think I get points for that, right? Or is that? A, I think you get a lot of points. <laughs> I think See. Nicole's lucky because I'm going to be making meatloaf tonight. <laughs> meatloaf for Valentine's. Yes, Day. I'm going to put a heart shape meatloaf. Oh, see. Yeah, that's like, a good idea. I just put like some ketchup I'll sauce. Put ketchup on it. sauce on. It's, it's like the old fashioned. Yeah. Oh, all right. All right. So, Doctor A, Doctor Nadia Archambault is going to be joining us. She is the sex farm B. And we have another guest that's going to be on today's program, which is Dr. Tamara Rugels. She is uh, the CEO of Specialty Pharmacy Consulting and owner of the Deprescribing Clinic. I'm excited. I, Dr. A, she is fun. We, uh, we're going to talk about just sexual health and thinking about using Valentine's Day as a way of bringing the attention to what pharmacists can do when it comes to sexual health. You and I went to the National Association of Chain Drug Stores together, the big conference where all the chain drug stores kind of show up. And, right. and some of their products for sexual health, not only were they interesting, but I see a big opportunity for community pharmacy to get into sexual health and literally make money on it. I agree. We had the, we had, um, uh, vibrators we had oils we had cbd uh, topicals we had um there was even a um what's it called when you put that mask over your eyes virtual reality there was like a virtual reality for sexual health that would play um different um kind of like stimulating uh psychotropic ish mm -hmm. images that almost look like a kaleidoscope remember the kaleidoscopes when you were young mm -hmm. And you put them on your eyes and it plays like, so there was this stuff that would literally like would focus in on de-stressing, not so much sexual per right. se, but de-stressing people. And I think stress is a big deterrent to sexual health, um, just in general. I agree. What did you think of that? Um, and it, cause we're supposed to go back to NACDS for 2023, but that's called the total store expo, the TSE that you wouldn't think as a community pharmacy owner, 
that that would be a place to go. But I think it's full of amazing products and ideas that community pharmacy owners could really extract knowledge from. Well, it was my first time there. First time at any conference with you, actually. Yeah. Uh, great experience for sure. Um, but yeah, I think that's a fantastic opportunity to get those things out there. Babson was there, um, blood testing for community pharmacy, entering community pharmacy and giving you community pharmacy owners the ability to do blood testing right inside your facility um, is a big up. I want to give a shout out to Babson. Uh, check them out, by the way. Go to Babson Diagnostics, or I'm sorry, BabsonDX.com, or just Google Babson, B-A-B-S-O-N, Pharmacy Podcast Network, and you'll you'll see their their shows. But great group to work with. Shout out to them. So uh, we gave a shout out, uh, Dr. A and I, to uh, Ananda, which is a CBD topical that they have called Bliss. And then we also gave a shout out to the one and only um, one of our favorite clients, um, Berkeley Life. And your husband uh, has tried Berkeley Life, huh? We both have. Yeah. And you, both of you are pretty exercise oriented and active and tell Tell me about like your experience with how it was during like, I know you do some biking. I know you do some um, other forms of, of training and stuff. So share that with our listeners. I definitely felt, I, I did feel a lot more energy from, from that. And I'm not sure if, if my hubby took as much as I did, because um, he has a pretty regimented, you know, thing that he does. So I don't know if he really incorporated it as long as I did, but I definitely felt positive benefits from that for yeah. sure. Yep, I think it, it, it's manipulating the the oxygen into our red blood cells, and I think that in itself gives you energy because you feel you feel better. Um, that's that's a good thing. Well, thanks for opening up this uh, week in pharmacy with us, Rachel. Um, love to have you back and just get your insights and being a consumer of uh, of medications and pharmacy services, just like all of us are. Um, certainly not on a regimen like uh, on on a um, an ongoing basis per se, but we're all impacted by pharmacists. A happy Valentine's Day to our pharmacists, our favorite providers. Happy Valentine's Day to uh, technicians that are listening in. Uh, hey, if we can do something for you here at the Pharmacy Podcast Network, please let us know. Rach, I hope you have a wonderful Valentine's Day weekend. Thanks. Thanks, Todd. And now I'd like to bring in a special guest for this week in pharmacy. And this is uh, no stranger to the podcasting land or the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Um, Dr. Nadia Archambault is known as uh, Dr. A, and she is the Sex Farm D. And we're so proud to have her part of our network. Happy Valentine's Day, uh, Dr. A. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you so much. It's so great to be here. And I love your studio. It's beautiful. So, and I love this, this whole new segment that you're doing. It's really exciting and happy Valentine's day to you too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I'm um, so excited about where we're going and how pharmacists are, are leading um, by the expertise that they, that they have. And um, I'm very proud of our studio and it, it's kind of a, a way for us to visually get more content out there that pharmacists are um are leading again it's really all about boosting that pharmacist so you've been a 
a big part of this and um and I had to have you as our guest for the Valentine's Day special. So wasn't sure if you knew this, but um did you know like the origination of of Valentine's Day um was from um a saint named Saint Valentine and there was a lot of folk and traditions and different things that were um that were around that but what do you know of, of Valentine's Day's roots? So I had heard that also. I went to I went to school when I was in school. I went to private Catholic school, so we learned about all the saints. Um, so I remember learning about that, um, and I always thought it was really interesting. I don't know where the little hearts and everything else came from, and but I it is a fun it's a fun day. Some people think it's a whole commercialized holiday, but, but I think it's fun. <laughs> I agree. I I think that it can be used as a time for us to slow down and just show appreciation for Mm -hmm. um, those that we truly care about and love. And it doesn't have to necessarily be centered for people that might be single. It doesn't have to be about um, a significant other per se, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, a a wife, um, you know, a fiance. It could be about um, your children. It could be about showing mm-hmm. love to your mother or showing love for your father. So I think it's it's really a, a day that that we have to kind of take back from the commercialism sometimes and thinking, you know, how can we turn Valentine's Day into a celebration of of love in general? And this world needs that, I think, um, more than more than ever. But um, Saint Valentine, um, according to some sources, is actually two distinct historical characters who were said to have healed a child while imprisoned and then executed by de- decapitation. So um, Saint Valentine was uh, was kind of in the midst of kind of a dark background in some ways. Yeah, sounds like it. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I agree. It's it's definitely a time to celebrate love. And that can be any kind of love, love with your friends, love with your partners, love with your children, nieces, nephews, all pets, anything. And it should just be a time to feel good and, and express that love. And I think, you know, it's important. I mean, if you are living far away from someone, it's, you know, you're still spending some part, some part of your day and you're putting out the time, you know, to to send the flowers or spending time with a loved one. And I think that's really important. And it's another fun day that I, you know, when I work with my sex therapy patients, um, just to celebrate being with your partner and in loved ones. So it's another good excuse to do something, you know? Yeah. And I, I think for myself, um, how am I going to show appreciation in trying to make my, uh, my wife, Nicole feel special and, you know, I've looked up ideas of what other people have done. And I love creativity. Um, mm-hmm. you know, there have been romantic and affordable ideas, um, you know, renting a canoe, breakfast in bed, do-it-yourself wine tasting, looking at old photographs together, uh, renting a movie, writing a poem to each other. Like, I think there's a lot of ideas that have nothing to do with buying something or I think it's more where it comes from, where it comes from your heart and your being sincere. I think there's a lot to that. And I, I think we need to slow down as a society because when we're so bombarded by so much content and so much digitalization of life in general, that you and I agreed on a post that um, I found, which I found very 
interesting called fubbing, which is um, putting your phone down. It's, um, you know, instead of snubbing somebody um, through your phone, I think that's where the the word was a derived from. But um, on Valentine's Day, listeners, make sure that the phones go down and that you're engaged with whoever you're focused on for Valentine's Day, making them feel special and maybe writing them a handwritten card. Um, handwritten cards go a long way for me, mm-hmm. Nadia. Mm-hmm. I love that. No, I love that article too. I'm so glad that you had posted that because I actually give my couples homework to have non-screen time. So no phones, preferably no, you know, not watching TV, but unless it's something specific, like a specific movie or something that they both want, but no screen time for a date night. And you can do, there are a lot of things you can do, even if you have children. And especially during COVID, I was giving people ideas, like some couples enjoy like making a puzzle, like just little things like that, that you don't have to be spending a lot of money and it's just spending good quality time where you're actually connecting and talking and not on your phone. And that is really important. So I was really happy when you, when you posted that article. (laughs) Yeah. And so let's, let's enter the bedroom now. Let's talk about the sex farm D and, and much of the information that you're kind of bringing to our listeners today. You know, I have uh, come a long way um, when it when it comes to understanding just because of how resourceful pharmacists have become in the information that they provide and and you included in that. And when I think of the stress that is put on couples, um, married Mm -hmm. couples, engaged couples, committed couples, um, you know, it's one thing to to feel that in love butterfly butterflies in your stomach, that puppy love, that first anywhere from one to five years in a relationship. But when you get over that fifth year, um, if, if you're not constantly understanding that just like your body, that you, if you don't exercise, if you don't take care of it, if you don't watch what you're eating, it can become bogged down. It can become healthy, unhealthy, um, mm-hmm. same for relationships. Um, mm-hmm. you know, when I, I know when Friday comes around and I've blasted through the week, um, I'm feeling run down. And when I get home, the last thing I want to do is clean. Uh, usually I, we, we have a split level home. So I usually take care of the upstairs and, and my daughter, and sometimes my wife will keep, take care of the downstairs, but there are some times where I'll come home and Nicole won't be coming home for another three or four hours because she's working late. And if I can grab the vacuum and some uh, counter spray, furniture polish and bang out the upstairs, even though I'm exhausted within one hour, two hours of concentration and really making it notable that I made an effort to clean, there is like a 50% chance more that I'm getting some sex that weekend. Yes. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Because now I've left, I've taken that off the table that that's not a stressor. And you know what? That seems so minuscule and simplistic and fundamental that if I would have told my 25-year-old self that story, I would have probably gotten an eye roll uh, from my 25-year-old self. But get it? It's true, though. I mean, like, I don't want to do housework, you know. But taking stressors off of your partner, however that may be, Tell us, tell our listeners the the factors that come into the bedroom that prevent us from 
you know, making love and having sex with each other and what can hold us up when we get deeper into those relationships, kind of share what you've learned from, from some of your sessions. Yeah. So, and I've heard this expression before, so I use it also communication is lubrication in relationships. Communication is so key. Um, so even what you're doing with the cleaning, that's, you know, that's a good way to avoid any type of um, argument later on. And it's an ex expression of love, you know, without really having to do anything like buying something, you know, it's, so there's different types of love languages I've talked about with uh, my patients. And so like acts of service can be one gifts can be another, and it's not about material. It's about like just picking up the person's favorite, you know, cup of coffee and, and things like that. Um, so as far as, you know, that goes with couples, communication is the most important key and carving out that time. I have my couples schedule intimacy time or non-intimacy time. Sometimes they, we alternate scheduling sex sometimes, and it sounds cliche, but it actually really works for, for couples, especially ones with busy schedules and kids. So that's really, really important, you know, that, that they get it on the calendar. Um, and then there's no question of who's the initiator, right? Because sometimes one person initiates sex and the other one does not, but if it's on the calendar, it's happening. So th there's no worry or anxiety behind that. So that's, a, that's another big thing. Um, one other thing I wanted to bring up, I know for our pharmacy owners that, uh, that are, or just pharmacists working in the pharmacy, you might be getting this question a lot because it's Valentine's day. So there's different, someone might be coming up to you asking about different kinds of lubricants. And I know I've gotten this question a lot with consulting work I've done and, and it's, it's kind of like a taboo or some people don't feel comfortable really talking about it, but it's really important. It's an important counseling point for patients because it's sold in the pharmacies. So there, there are different types of lubricants. Um, you know, if anyone wants to know more, of course, it's, it's good just to, to look up different types, but just the the simplest breakdown would be your water-based lubes, which are usually, those are the most popular because they don't stain, they're non-greasy, don't cause infections really. Um, and they're made of deionized water. And um, now CBD is a big one too with the CBD lubes. Those are usually water-based because CBD is water soluble. So if you get someone asking that, can also make great massage, massage oils too with the CBD products. And then you have your silicone, which are typically longer lasting. So you don't have to reapply as often such as the water-based. So that's the pro to it. But the con is that it can cause some irritation. And this is important too far for anyone asking, um, they cannot be used with silicone sex toys. So they will ruin the toy. But a lot of people don't know that, but I think it's important to, <laughs> there are going to be people yeah. that ask that, you know? Um, and then lastly, there's those oil-based, so that has a more heavy, you know, greasier kind of feel. It, everyone has a different preference, but I usually do not recommend oil-based. I haven't really seen those sold over the counter in the pharmacies um, because they can cause more uh, bacterial infections and things like that. But I wanted to bring that up for our Valentine's Day episode because it's like a very common question that people may have but feel weird talking about. So when in doubt, recommended water-based lube, I think. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? Yeah. I I like the excuse to talk more about um, sexual health and the fact that the pharmacist has been 
probably overlooked for the most part from the consumer's perspective, but realizing that when you're talking about substances and drugs mm -hmm. and impact in um, uh, occurrences or chain of chain reactions or, uh, you know, um, something that could occur in someone's um, body based on taking a supplement or taking a Viagra or, or using a lube, there's, there's this whole chemical and chemistry aspect to it that really ties back to the knowledge that the pharmacist has had. And I think it's important to bring some of that up to whoever's listening. If it's our HCPs, our pharmacists, our physicians, mm -hmm. nurses, or even a consumer that's listening to this podcast right now, that's why we've invested in this show, the Sex PharmD, because there are elements of knowledge that you have, Dr. A, that we want to learn more about. So I, I love this. Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, I, you know, and there are, you know, independent pharmacy owners, I think, who are afraid to even put that out there. But if you walk into a, a chain retail, you'll see a whole section of different types of lubricants. Some of them sell sex toys. So Walmart, you know, don't be Walmart afraid sells to do that. all of that stuff. If I go yeah. to my local Walmart, I go back to the pharmacy section. There's the, uh, per, you know, more of the, the condoms that are there. But mm -hmm. sure enough, there's more um, attention to uh, lubrication. And there's also some of the rings that they'll sell that it might be toy based. But I think that we need to get away from this, um, the shyness or the, or feeling that there's some kind of dirtiness about it. Like this is, sex is such an important part of health. And I think it's an amazing and a huge part of relationships. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like we almost need um, several podcasts to really dive in because today is really a wide stance. We're talking about Valentine's Day. What fits into that when we start talking about couples? I mean, we're talking about people that have just gotten together who have only been together for, you know, two weeks to two months. And then we're talking about people like me, I'm going to be celebrating my uh, 10th anniversary, wedding anniversary oh. and 12th year together. And that's a whole different conversation um, when we're talking about, um, you know, sexual health and, and couples and sex and things that prevent us. You know, I've learned in my own instance um, that it's, it's the, it's the removal of stressors that are going to keep me from, from um, having sex with my wife. It's it's a stressor-oriented mm -hmm. environment that if I can get rid of as many stresses as possible, and then yes, the oils come into this. I have a, um, a hemp-based oil that is from Victoria's Secrets um, that, that oh. has an amazing smell. It mm -hmm. has amazing texture. And I have I have tried to find a massage because um you know, we, we do, I do a ton of massaging on feet, on our calves, on, on, on legs. And it, and it's a true massage. It's not just this one, like my mom's like, Oh, That's nice. Her dad used to give me the old, she called it the dump out massage. She'd be like, I <laughs> massage for five minutes. And then the next thing you know, you know, we're into something else. And now that's not it. It's a, it's a real deal, you know, 20 minute, if not more massage. And, and I actually have learned that's not the personality that I had in even first meeting um, my wife and, and dating my wife and, and becoming um, mm -hmm. sexual with her. It was really an evolution. And it's something that I feel like 
we've designed now where there's an appreciation and there's a lot of slowdown. And I think mm -hmm. that's another element of our society. It's like, hey, if you're using, I love the Ananda line. They have a, mm -hmm. Ananda has this something called the Bliss Intimate Oil. And it's just, it's cannabis infused. It's intimate oil. It's formulated by these female reproductive medicine experts and specialists that really understand the breakdown of this. And and I, I even like some of the edibles that, that we've been kind of experimenting with. And that's another thing. If you make it fun with your partner and you bring some things home, maybe on Valentine's Day, just as a, just as an experiment to say, mm -hmm. hey, this might be fun. I think I definitely like trying, um, you know, a, a kind of different, you know, different things and, and talking, if you don't know who to talk to about this, if you're a consumer listening, you would be surprised at the information that a, a local independent community pharmacy has that they'll take the time to kind of answer some questions or even you, Dr. A, we could get an email, you know, your email set up and, and sending you uh, questions about uh, what some recommendations are, but what are some of your favorite products, by the way? Yeah, so it's funny. I'm actually wearing my heart sweatshirt I got in Kentucky when I visited Ananda. <laughs> and I love the Bliss line. I recommend that to any female patient. Um, it's it's not only great for women with their, um, there's specific ones for pain, it, for endometriosis or any change in, in vaginal pH. They have some some products that are fantastic for that. Love their their um, lubricant line, the Bliss lubricant line, which is used a lot also for massage oil. Um, so that that's definitely my top products for that. Um, I love uh, Athena's Home Novelties. I actually worked for them in college to make extra money. I sold sex toys, and they're fantastic. It's a it's a woman founded company based out of Rhode Island, which is where I'm from, and I love their products. Um, and then some of my favorite sex therapists, like Dr. Laura Berman, she has some great ones on her website, um, as far as products, vibrators and sex with Emily too. I love her also. She's great. So she has a lot of good, good products on her site also, but those are definitely my top ones. Yeah. And, and it's funny when you talk about giving massages, that's actually a big, I, I do exercises with patients where I give them homework for sensory exercises. So like touch, taste, smell, sight, all of that. And like one thing they do is a massage, but like listening to something that is calming, using a massage oil that smells good, having some type of visual or just lighting. It's just very, it's very important using all your senses and that slowing down, like you were talking about is, is really key for sure. Yeah, it's almost a sense, it's a whole nother level of relaxation and and being able to relax together and and not feeling um embarrassed or, you know, um, mm. and I think that there's something to that in a relationship that you can take that further than than the early stages of of being with someone because I feel like I really know um, you know, my wife and and what she really likes and what she doesn't and I'm I'm the problem of the relationship when it comes to wanting to push the envelope to do possibly do something else. And she's like, I don't, you know, my I might not want to do that. I just <laughs> the way it was, you know, and, and and not to mess the so I'm I'm always the creative, <laughs> the creative. <laughs> 
No, that's great. Well, here's a little thing you can do with your wife, maybe for Valentine's Day. So that's a massage. I do this little, I give uh, this little exercise where you have like a map of the body and you do uh, massage work on different parts of the body and you rate it on a scale of one to 10. And it's kind of fun because some people who've done it, they're like, oh, I didn't, with something they say about their partner, like, I didn't realize that like right there on that part of your neck is like a 10 for you. I had no idea. And it's just like a fun thing to do. And you only, you only do like 10 to 15 seconds and like, or 30 seconds at the most for each little area of the body. Um, so that's a fun thing to do. And then you can like look at it later and say, oh, you're a seven here, but you're a one here. <laughs> so that's like yeah. a little fun one you can do with your wife. <laughs> really good idea because you know, I haven't really tracked that out. I, I, most of the time, the question is, is there, is that too hard of pressure? Cause there will, will be some times where I feel knots in certain places, mm -hmm. like in her back or in her legs where I'm like, wow, there's a, there's a hard spot. So then I try to work that spot more, but then I'm starting to ask questions like, Hey, am I going, am I pushing too hard on this spot? And if, you know, if, if there's a yes or no, but I should be open to rating each of those sections to really find out where is the, where do you like, you know, the most attention when it comes to massaging? And it's the same thing that you, if you went to go get a, a, a paid massage, um, those people, what do they call them? The masseuses? Masseuse, yeah. Um, uh -huh. They'll, they'll <laughs> ask you, hey, is this, you know, is this tender or is this hurting or is this you want more pressure here. So yeah, I think uh, moving around and, and asking from a scale from one to 10, you know, that's, that's actually a good exercise. Yeah. It's a fun one. And then if there's something like a little area that you know of that your wife really likes, like sometimes if you're like just sitting on the couch watching TV, like if you knew it was like a certain part of her neck, you can just kind of rub that for a little bit while just a little fun, playful thing you can do. I already know what it is. I do know. You know, what, you, know what my, you know what my wife's favorite thing is for me to massage? What? Her feet? Her feet. She is. <laughs> she's on her feet all the time. You know, at, at the, she works at a, a maximum security prison in Southwestern Pennsylvania. Oh, that's intense. She's walking yeah. a ton. And so if I rub her feet, that's always. She'll probably fall oh. asleep if I rub the feet. Sometimes I won't rub them on purpose because I'll be like, wait. <laughs> I don't want you falling asleep. So. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> but, you know, I don't mind. I mean, uh, feet lead, lead. If you just keep moving upward, you're, you're. There you go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you're going to win. Yep. <laughs> or at least we hope we will. So let's talk yeah. about quickly shifting gears. Let's talk about, mm -hmm. um, and I want to have you back on the show because today is more about preparing for Valentine's day, but mm -hmm. let's talk about the people that don't have a significant other for, you know, Valentine's and really celebrating yourself is, is the best mm -hmm. when it comes to love. Um, I've always had an issue with caring about myself, um, you know, enough, um, on a more consistent basis. I do it from a health perspective. I think I'm pretty good at that, but, uh, very few times have I said, Hey, it's time for me to go take a walk by myself. It's time mm -hmm. for me to listen to some really, um, you know, uh, quiet music that can kind of get my mind in a peaceful, but talk about some of your ideas about kind of self-love and, and for people. Yeah. Stay. No, I think that's a great, a great um, topic because self-care is something that a lot of people put on the back burner. And I like to use the expression that where you're 
sitting on an airplane and they, you know, if you have a child, they say to put the oxygen mask on you first and not your child yeah. because you have to be able to breathe, to take care of your child. Right. So you want to be the best version of yourself. And that just, not only like if you're a, a mom or a dad, but in general to your friends, to your family. So it's important to stay regenerated, you know, regenerate yourself um, and, and take that time out for self-care. If it's a spa day or just something simple, like you were saying, like a walk, reading a book that you want to read, a nap, any uh, at-home facial, things like that are just very important. And I am a huge fan of meditation. I think it's really, really important. And especially in our crazy world today, um, just to calm the mind is so important. Um, and you can use, there's so many different things you can do, like an app on your phone, like a self-guided meditation and things like that. That's very important too. And that's a, that's a big component of self-care also that I recommend to patients um, as far as taking care of themselves and helping quiet the mind. Um, but you, it's that whole, again, it's that whole concept of you want to be the best version of yourself for everyone else too. So some people feel like they're being selfish, but you're really not because you have to think of it that way. Yeah. You know? So I like, and, and Valentine's is fun too. Like you can make a Galentine's day with your girlfriends yeah. or it's fun, you know, <laughs> like I said, give attention, um, to, um, another loved one, you know, a, a sibling, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. your parent, someone who might not get much attention and it gives you an opportunity to just send them a, a little card or even a, you know, a text or something just to get just to break up the monotony of life and celebrate the day. Um, yeah. Maybe volunteer somewhere, go to an animal shelter, you know, or just like make some cookies or cupcakes and bring them to like somewhere that you want, you know, maybe you, you love your hairdresser and the staff there and just do something nice like that is always a good idea too. You mentioned the five love languages and I, I love, I know I took the test at one point. I think I took it during our fifth year anniversary and um what an interesting um concept in that book in general the, the mm -hmm. five love languages are words of affirmation um acts mm -hmm. of service mm -hmm. uh, gifts uh quality time and physical touch and when my wife and i took the test together we both came up with physical touch as our love language wow okay it's really that's cool um but I know that quality time and acts of service were were very close for her. And then I think my secondary was words of affirmation. When you did mm -hmm. you take that test? What what did you come up with for your? Yeah, so I uh, for I always give that to my couples as their first piece of homework. If and even if it's been a while, I have them do it again. Um, a lot of women I see get the. Um, acts of service and gifts. And a lot of men tend to get physical touch and words of affirmation. That's cool that you guys both matched on touch. I don't, you know, that doesn't always happen, but it, it helps knowing someone's love language for sure, especially with communicating with your, your partner and knowing what they, what they like. Um, and again, um, the gifts is not a material thing. It's, it's more th the thoughtful things. Um, and then I've, I've been seeing um, some additional love languages come out. Uh, one, and I liked this one, um, a sixth love language, which was personal space. I don't know if they're going to end up putting that in a quiz. Um, but I think that one can be important for some people, some people that they, they like their own time and space, maybe self-care time too. And that's their love language. 
So it's not that they're ignoring the partner. It's just that that's, that gives them some happy space also. Um, So, yeah, so uh, that's, that's a new one that I've seen when I've researched some different, you know, love quizzes and and things about the love languages. Um, But yeah, for the top five, for the five types, I think it's really cool. I think it's a great quiz. People think it's cliche, but I'm like, you know what? It works. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, yeah. And it and it brings common denominators to the front where we realized that as couples, we're probably more alike than we think we are. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think the the romance and like I said at the beginning of of relationships is so easy. Like it was it came so easy to to me to uh, write a poem or, you know, pay attention to what mm-hmm. I was saying or try to be, um, you know, amusing or, or something. And then as mm-hmm. time went on, life kind of overtakes and you forget to do some of the small things that really made someone uh, fall in love with you and remembering the, remembering those, those things. And it, and for me, you're right. It, was really never attached back to something materialistic. It was more of how I stood out in in what I did to to gain the attention of um of my wife and then and then doing something yeah. out of the ordinary. <laughs> so no, I think it's great. What do what do you want to share with pharmacists for for Valentine's and and what other questions have you had um presented to you? by some of your clients that you think you can share with them? Yeah. So as far as for our fellow pharmacists out there, um, do not be afraid to talk to people uh, about sexual health and sexual health questions. And if you own your own pharmacy and have control over the displays and things like that, I think Valentine's Day is always, or just the whole week, it's a whole season, I feel like in February, you know, do little, little displays with with different lubricants or just a fun toy like and I know it's you don't you might not want certain things out if there's kids coming up to the counter but maybe have like something about you know ask ask me about you know ask us about our sexual health line you know or just something like that where it gets a conversation going that's the big thing is just opening up your communication with patients um and as far as uh other questions that you know with that I've gotten from patients. Um, as far as it being pertinent to Valentine's Day, there are there are some people that may actually feel uh, depressed this time of year, um, or if they're single or newly single or have lost a loved one. Um, it's you know it's another holiday where they're thinking about it. So be mindful of that too, um, and just try to try to spread the love everywhere. <laughs> you know, try to make them feel good, but but not make it about I think if you make it too much about, you know, oh, well, you didn't get flowers and, you know, you didn't, you didn't have a a boyfriend, you were depressed. I actually had a girlfriend one year send me flowers and it was that I had gone through a really bad uh, breakup and she sent me flowers and it was literally the sweetest thing ever, you know, and I never forgot that, you know, so, you know, make it about everybody. Yeah. Just keep in mind itself, you know, that act of love from one friend to another, that's very special. Mm-hmm. It really is. It really is. So yeah, just keep in mind about that. But I think it's just, just start, start talking to people more about, about sex. Someone that's taking an erectile dysfunction medication, right? They're clearly having yeah. sex. 
talk to them about it. You know? Yes. If someone has a Viagra um, prescription and they come mm-hmm. in and you get an opportunity to say, hey, have you ever heard of nitric oxide, for example, as, mm-hmm. a, as another layer, um, which is much, I think, uh, on a long term basis, it's it's a good supplement to be taking anyway. And you and I both know all about um, nitric oxide through Berkeley Life, for example. Absolutely. So they've been a great partner. And I think that that plays into the long game versus the short game. You know, when I think of short game sexual health, I say, okay, Viagra is something you're going to take and you're going to react to it probably within an hour to two hours. Whereas Berkeley Life, it's more like, hey, this nitric oxide product is something that I do all the time. And Mm -hmm. after a two week period of taking it, all of a sudden now I'm feeling better when I'm walking or better when I'm exercising or more energy when I'm lifting weights for that last push or that last pump. And I take Barkley Life so I can speak to it and say, I Mm -hmm. have seen differences when I am on it on a consistent basis and when I've forgotten to take it or it's patchy. And that plays into um, sexual Mm -hmm. health too. Oh yeah, no, Barkley Life is fantastic. I've had some patients take that and it makes a difference and it's helping women now also they're they're finding it's very helpful for women i think it's fantastic uh and it's another it's another way to go like if you can't take uh the viagras and the cialis you know if you have a heart condition or anything like that so that's a great option or if you want to go more natural um another conversation to have too is so if the if the patient is on erectile dysfunction medication so they take the pill but is is there significant other ready or in the mood even you know some of these people will pop the pill okay i can have sex in an hour but maybe that other person isn't ready for that you know so that's a that communication component is important too where again where that's why with a lot of couples i have them schedule sex so that way they know okay we're gonna have sex sunday you're gonna take the blue pill or whatever you know and then they're ready for it because you can't just pop the pill and say, okay, I'm ready to go, but the other person may not be. So, and then a woman who's on any type of postmenopausal hormone replacement therapy, ask her about how her sex life is. Maybe it's horrible. You know, maybe she just, maybe she's going to be so thankful that you even asked her, you know? So good point. And starting that dialogue, um, you're, you are, if you're a pharmacist and you're listening, you're already up there in the level of trust. So mm-hmm. maybe easier to ask you questions than it is for them to get the attention of their primary care physician that might be, um, you know, never picking up, never able to get them on the phone or, or get them face to face. But you at the pharmacy may be able to answer these questions that people have. I'm wondering, Nadia, how many people are embarrassed that don't want to ask questions that they're curious about? And then, of course, they have to find the answer by either Googling or looking up on mm-hmm. YouTube and when I get an answer from someone that's right in front of me that I can look them in the face and get like a scientific, um, you know, explanation or some guidance, I just feel better about it. Absolutely. I mean, I had patients call me, I had all kinds of crazy, we get them all, you know, I had someone ask me about, um, canola oil for lubricant or coconut oil. Like I've gotten calls, you know, but they, they trust you and you're, they don't have to make an appointment for an office visit. You know, now I know people look stuff up online, but you're that trusted professional. So it is it is really important that we're able to have those conversations. Uh, and, you know, a lot of people are afraid to ask those questions or, you know, I've seen this a lot also where it's kind of brushed aside, like, well, that's normal. Well, you're going through menopause. 
you know, that's normal, but is that really normal? Like, is that really what you're like? Like, does life end after menopause? <laughs> I mean, I, I get a lot of women who feel that way and that's how their providers have talked to them about it. Like, oh, well, that's, that's how it goes. <laughs> so I don't think that's right either. So yeah. that's another, another life point. Is, life is not over. You know, you have to, exactly. you have to, keep, have to keep going. Exactly. Well, yeah. um, I am excited that you've been part of this network. You've always brought um, some amazing um, discussion points, and I'd like to dig into additional uh, additional questions that other healthcare providers have. Um, boy, I, I I'm wondering in in closing, is there any any advice that you'd like to to put out there for pharmacists to think about, or even our community pharmacy owners? Yeah. So think about, you know, we, we have a lot going on as pharmacists now, a lot more clinical services that we're offering, which is fantastic. This can also be part of that clinical service that you're, you're consulting patients on is sexual health. Um, and especially if you own your own pharmacy, um, that can really, I mean, you're, it's a win-win for everybody. You're providing people with help with their sexual health questions and you can, it can increase your sales also with a lot of products, you know, that, that people might, people might not want to go to Walmart to get something and they'd rather get it, you know, at your pharmacy and be able to ask you those questions. So just think of it that way. But I, I think if, if you think of it as another clinical service that you're offering patients, that's the right kind of mindset to get in. It's a really good point. It's been awesome. Um, you know, having you be part of the Valentine's Day special, um, wishing everyone, hopefully everyone had a, a, a very uh, good Valentine's Day and don't um, wait to um, to talk with your partner just on Valentine's Day about um, about things, about your sex life, bring it up to them, even get a pharmacist involved in, in reference uh, just in case. And um, it's just good to have you here, Dr. A. I thank you so much for being part of this. I have um, uh, an ending question. Um, what did the stamp say to the envelope on Valentine's day? I don't know. <laughs> I'm stuck on you. How cute is that? I love it. Okay. And it's always fun talking with you. <laughs> another one is what do you call the world's smallest Valentine's day card? What? It's a Valentine. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Can we get any more uh, corny with these jokes that I'm finding on about Valentine's Day? <laughs> so, all right. Well, that's all the time we have on this week in pharmacy, the Valentine's Day special. We give a shout out to all of our pharmacists. By the way, we love you, Valentine's Day special pharmacists. Um, in an every day, it doesn't, you know, here at the PPN, it's not just Valentine's Day, but. If you um, do have questions, if you'd like to collaborate with Dr. A um, about sexual health, um, please reach out to us. Uh, we would love to hear from you. I'd love to create a show where we collaborate with more other healthcare providers and, and sexual health experts and psychiatrists. And just remember that we're here and we're doing this um, on a frequent basis. But thank you, Dr. A, for being here. Thank you so much. This was great. I loved it. Happy Valentine's Day. Happy Valentine's Day. First time guest on This Week in Pharmacy, welcoming our second guest, very 
special opportunity to talk with Dr. Tamara Rugels, um, CEO of Specialty Pharmacy Consulting and owner of the Deprescribing Clinic. Tamara, it is so good to have you here. Hey, thanks, Todd. Thanks for having me. I've been listening to your podcast and the Pharmacy Podcast Network for so long now. It's truly an honor to be your guest today. The honor is all ours. This is all about amplifying um, the expertise of our pharmacists in different facets of, of healthcare. The longer that I stay in this industry, Tamara, the, the more I realize that we, we don't know and we need more interconnection to specialists that really dig into different subjects. And, you know, this as a Valentine's Day special just got done um, interviewing uh, Dr. A, uh, known as the Sex PharmD. Your subject is very special and the, and the specialty and the knowledge that you bring to this is also very special. We're kind of setting the stage to bring you back to the Pharmacy Podcast Network to really build out a series. So a shout out to our senior care consultant pharmacist, a shout out to the one and only, and I love saying that because he is the one and only, Chad Wurz, CEO of the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists. If any of you would like to get involved in this in the series that we're going to be putting together with Tamara in the future, please reach out to us. But let's start out with just an introduction of you, uh, Dr. Tamara, and, and how you got involved, not only in pharmacy, but specifically serving our seniors, some of our most fragile patients. Yeah. So in high school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I thought maybe teaching or maybe nursing. And so the first two years of college, I tried both those and I didn't like either. So uh, <laughs> my dad was an administrator at the VA Medical Center in my hometown. And he said, you know, why don't you come home for the summer and volunteer in a few areas and we'll see if you like one. So I started in the pharmacy and I fell in love and the gracious people there were so excited about the profession and happy to teach me and encouraging for me to, to try it. So uh, I changed my major to pharmacy and the rest is history with that one. But as far as uh, long-term care goes, uh, my last year in pharmacy school, I did a long-term care rotation and it was both the dispensing side of long-term care and the consulting. So I got to do a little bit of both. And I really liked that. I liked geriatrics. I knew right then I wanted to be board certified in geriatrics. And that's where I wanted to be. So six months after graduating school, I got a job at that pharmacy. And it was mostly in the dispensing side. But over time, my boss, who was doing all the consulting, got busy. And so little by little, he let me do, you know, if he was behind, I got to help out here or help out there. And then about five years after I had started there, uh, one day he just pulled me in his office and said, hey, um, my three rural nursing homes, I just don't have time to travel to anymore. My schedule's gotten to be too busy. So he said, I think you should start your own company. <laughs> that really kind of threw me for a loop because I thought he was just going to say, can you take them over? But he said, I want you to start your own company and I'm going to refer those three homes to you. So I did. I started specialty pharmacy consulting and I started with three rural nursing homes and from there, it's climbed to now I have 14 facilities, and I absolutely love consulting. It is, it's the best. You get to use all your knowledge from pharmacy school. You can do a med review one day and be on a falls committee the next day and watching a med pass the next day or giving an in-service. So there's just so many different areas. You never get bored. And uh, my old people are so funny. I just love them. So I've truly loved consulting. It's been a great fit for me. See, that's, this is so good to hear. You know, I think we attract on this publication and have for 14 years now, I can't believe how fast time's gone by. 
we attract innovators literally in the industry and we start to fractionalize and piece out and channel the different experts in the channel. And you belong in my original channel, which was the focus on our seniors, the focus on some of the most, like I said, some of the most fragile. And it's, there's different, if you start to think about senior care, long-term care overall, you could literally put that in, it's almost like a bucket for more buckets and more channels. Because when I think of long-term care pharmacy, we were handling the assisted living where you really didn't need all that much help. You were healthy seniors. You wanted someone to kind of follow up on your med pass, make sure that you were adherent, you know, check-ins every once in a while on the campus that you might be living in or a group home or something like that, where it's a lot more freedom oriented. Then all of a sudden you went into more of a skilled where it was like, okay, these, these are a little bit more fragile seniors. Um, they, they have a, a very specific issues that a medication expert that really understands comorbidity, comorbidity, comorbidity and um, <laughs> other, that's why I'm not a pharmacist, Tamara. So I can't <laughs> say that. But comorbidity, multiple things happening, chronic conditions, and then the super duper serious where we're talking about the sickest of the sick of seniors that are uh, maybe entering hospice or another thing. And when you think of the humanity and you think of the care and literally the love that is pulled from the intelligence of someone in your position, we can't have enough Dr. Tamaras in the United States right now with 310 million Americans with, um, I can't remember what the percentage is, is, is of baby boomers echoing to the generation X, which I'm 50 years old. I'm 10, 15 years away from possibly being in that category. And I'm of course more about the preventative, but give us kind of a, a landscape of your vision and your mission as a, as a D prescriber, and then also your passion to service our seniors. Yeah. So, I mean, in North Dakota, if we don't stop the trend, we're going to run out of nursing home beds due to the baby boomer population. So um, I guess my perspective is currently both in the skilled nursing facility and in the community. You know, I was just doing skilled nursing facility consulting. And then one day a nurse had emailed me and said, you know, hey, so-and-so is falling a lot. Can you review her meds? And while I was doing that med review, I thought, I wonder who's doing this for people in our own community. And so that's where the deep prescribing clinic came in. And that's set to open here in just a couple of weeks on March 1st. But I wanted to bring those services that we provide to our skilled nursing facility residents, the, the site committee meetings, the falls review meetings, someone reviewing their medications every month and monitoring them. I wanted to bring that service to our community dwelling older adults so that we can keep them in their own home. And we don't have to worry about running out of skilled nursing facility beds in the future because we've got people who are thriving and they don't have cognitive decline and and they're in their own homes where they want to be. So the future is both. I think it's both in skilled nursing and in the community for consultant pharmacists. So it's an exciting place to be. Absolutely. You know, this is the Valentine's Day special. And when I think of Valentine's Day, and I think of pharmacist expertise in the community, in specialty, in senior care, I think of those group homes, those relaxed environments that have um, um, an entire housing plan set up where uh, seniors come and go as they want. They play golf, they relax, go see their family. That freedom oriented, but still with those people, with that demographic of patient, um, something comes up and UTI is one of the issues that we sometimes deal with. 
seniors, I mean, I think of myself, uh, Tamara, not to make you laugh, but I'm 50 years old and I guarantee if my wife is still around, I'm so into her. Like I guarantee I'm going to be sexual 70, 80, 90. She's probably hating to, to realize that I'm going to be coming after her still, but that's just my personality. That's, I can tell Absolutely. based on my dad. And so when I think about the, you know, as we get older, things come up, let's dig into um, the duration limitations of and I can't say it, antimicrobial, antimicrobial. Hey, you're almost there. You're doing great, Todd. I'll help you out. Yeah. I mean, what else would we want to talk about on Valentine's Day than UTIs, right? But they are such an issue in our skilled yep. nursing facility population. Um, they can go septic so fast. So we have that issue. But we also have the issue of, you know, patients that develop confusion. And so their family wants to have a, a UA done and we're treating UTIs that don't need to be treated. So it's both. And the World Health Organization has declared antimicrobial resistance as one of the top 10 health threats across the globe. So we do need to be judicious in our antimicrobial prescribing, but we also need to treat patients who truly do have UTIs. So at, at my largest facility, we are running into a problem a few years ago of having patients treated for UTIs with heavy hitters, you know, like Cipro or Levaquin for long durations of action right? Instead of the five days, it was now 10 to 14 days. And we were doing a lot of education and we were doing a lot of retrospective reviews, but we weren't seeing a lot of change or a lot of impactful things happening from those retrospective reviews and education. So uh, I was getting my certification in antimicrobial stewardship. And part of that was an end project. So I was thinking about my end project and how can I help this large facility with antimicrobial stewardship? Cause we were all a little bit frustrated. And so I came up with three ideas. Um, one was an antibiotic timeout, which we're doing now anyways, but we hadn't been at the time. One was um, me reviewing all the cultures to make sure they were on an appropriate antibiotic and they weren't on the heavy hitters if they didn't need to be. And then the third one was limiting the duration of treatment for uncomplicated UTIs. So I had, I had presented those to the infection preventionist and the director of nursing. And I said, out of these three, are you excited about any of them or which one do you think would be successful in our facility? And they both came back and said, we wanna do the treatment duration limit because we had seen so many 10 to 14 duration of treatment for an uncomplicated UTI. So next step, I was sitting there writing the policy and I thought, Colin, am I doing the right thing? Are providers going to agree with this? So I called one of the main providers from the facility and said, just ran it by her. Hey, what do you think of this idea? Do you like it? Do you think I can get other providers to be on board with it? And she loved it. She said, you know, I myself have been trying to teach my nurse practitioners and PAs about lowering the duration of treatment. We don't need to treat them for that long. And so she goes, this is really helpful for me and something that I've been also thinking about. So after that, we got with the medical director and we wrote a letter to all the providers just saying, hey, this is what the policy is going to be. This is why we want to do it. We want to successfully treat people, but we want to decrease resistance and we also want to decrease adverse effects. And then also we just sent it out like about a month before we implemented the policy and said, hey, if you have any questions, please re reach out to us. And so um, it was May 1st, 2019, this went into effect and we used the Infectious Disease uh, Society of America treatment guidelines. And so that was the treatment duration we recommended for uncomplicated UTIs. 
And um, so it went into effect. And the real heroes in this story are the nurses and the people in the in-house pharmacy, because they're the ones who implement this project, right? I just wrote the policy, <laughs> but they're the ones who implement it on a day-to-day -day basis. So um, what does that look like? So there's a sheet that the nurses fill out every time an antibiotic is prescribed at this facility. It includes the antibiotic, the most recent serum creatinine, weight, height, um, if they're on warfarin, and then they send it to the pharmacy to renal dose and then make sure we're monitoring INRs if they're on warfarin. So all we had to do was we put in the question on this sheet, is this treating an uncomplicated UTI? And if the nurse checked yes, then we made sure the duration was within treatment limit policy. And if they said no, then they didn't worry about the treatment duration. And so um, if the duration was outside of the treatment guidelines, the pharmacy would just fax the physician and say, hey, this is the policy. Um, it's a five-day duration. Do you want to lower the duration to five days? And that was for fluoroquinolones. Or do you want to fill out an exemption form? So they got a choice. And if they filled out that exemption form, they do have their own autonomy. They know the, they know the patient. So all they had to do was put a rationale on that exemption form. And then that request was granted and they got, you know, it was approved the longer duration of treatment. So during that first year, we only had one physician fill out that exemption form. All of the rest said, and she had good reason too. Um, all the rest said, no, we'll follow the policy. That sounds good. Lower the duration. All right. So I know that you focus on de-prescribing for those situations where cascade prescribing is taking place. You have a physician, you have a shift in physician, you have a change in multiple physicians. Maybe there's a specialist and you're your senior patient is now on 18, 22 medications, medications for medications for medications. And you're like, whoa, timeout. So how do you parallel the mission and the belief that as much as you can to de-prescribe and titrate and take your time to get patients off medications that you feel are compounding issues and then come up alongside a UTI patient and be able to balance the de-prescribing with the UTI. Like that's a complex situation. Could you, could you kind of talk about that? Yeah, it's very complex. So with the UTI, UTI duration, um, that's handled in-house by the pharmacy. So they kind of handle that piece of the puzzle. As far as the de-prescribing of other inappropriate meds, that's that's more up to me as a consultant pharmacist when I'm doing monthly reviews. You know, if I see a patient on a sulfonylurea like glyburide, their A1C is only 6.5, but they're on this medication that has a high risk for causing hypoglycemia. I'm, I'm leaving a note on that. We got We can discontinue that safely. They're well within the A1C goal range, and we want to get rid of that unnecessary and harmful medication. So I... I would say the UTI duration is handled by the inpatient pharmacy uh, right then and there when it's prescribed. And then I more take a look at the de-prescribing. And I also like to point out trends to physicians. You know, hey, uh, so-and-so was started on oxybutynin within the last three months. She was started on, you know, a laxative, um, a biotin mouth spray, an eye drop for dry eyes, and then, a, you know, dementia medication such as donepezil. So let's look at the trend here. We started an anticholinergic, and then these three or four other medications were prescribed shortly thereafter. Can we get rid of the anticholinergic and see if, you know, we can get rid of the rest? So I would say those deprescribing um, initiatives are more up to me as a consultant. In the, in the dispensing side of the pharmacy, they don't have as much time to take a deep dive into that stuff. 
So how are you able to take the knowledge that you have and push, instead of it being Dr. Tamara and the, the community that you're serving, be able to take some of these strategies and push it out to multiple consultant pharmacists to really not only bring in additional information from their experiences, but roll out some of the policy and procedures that you've designed around UTI. Yeah, I would love to do that. And I think um, as consultant pharmacists, ASCP is a great place to roll ideas off each other and to collaborate. Um, there's not a ton of consultants in North Dakota. And so, and a lot of them were not in the same geographical area, but we do have a long-term care academy that we sort of meet up and roll ideas off of. But LinkedIn has been great. I just joined LinkedIn um, this fall and I've been really enjoying collaborating with other pharmacists and rolling ideas off each other. So I do think LinkedIn has been really helpful for me as well as collaborating with other pharmacists I met at ASCP. So those two things have been the biggest help to me. I think the American Society of Consultant Pharmacists, the Mecca, the bringing everything together for our seniors and long-term care specialty, technology platforms, strategies, continuing education. What an amazing organization. Um, they were one of the first um, national associations that joined the Pharmacy Podcast Network. We're actually going to go back to them and see if we can't work together and prepare for the annual conference, which is in November of 2023. But people like you that have this kind of focus to really help our seniors live better lives and live more freedom. I once again, I'm I'm at that time of my life, Tamara, where I would have never in a million years at age 25 or 35 or even 45 started thinking about living as a senior, as my father is. My father's 77 years old. Um, he he's a wild man, like I'm gonna be when it comes to, you know, can constantly being involved and active and running. He's been to Thailand a bunch of times and the Philippines and he likes to travel and fish and hunt. And I mean, that's the way I see myself. And when I think of my sexual health and how important um, sexual health is to my livelihood as a man, as a, as a lover, as someone who is participating in life, UTI, I do not want to listen. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to think about it. So almost think of that proactive living and the proactive life that that a pharmacist, a consultant pharmacist that focuses on it, how important that is and not to under uh, value that subject and not to shy away from it because maybe we might be, you know, shy about things or talking about things, but this is important stuff. This is why I was so excited that you were part of this. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. It's been awesome being here. And um, if there's any students listening that want to get involved in ASCP, um, myself and Scott Stewart um, are heading up the student initiative to try to get more students at ASCP and get them being consultants. And just we want younger people on fire for the profession like we are. So if there's any students out there that want to get involved or are interested in consulting, please reach out. Um, it's such an exciting profession. And I do want to share that with that UTI um, duration limit policy, we were able to decrease the average duration of treatment from 7.25 days before we started the policy to 5.86 days uh, a year later. So we decreased the duration by almost a day and a half, and that's for all UTIs. So that probably did save some significant resistance and adverse effects, and our Cipro and Bactrim resistance both went down. So it was a successful project, and I'm hoping to implement it in other places. That's incredible. 
Tamara, thank you so much for being here today, this week in pharmacy. Um, I want to preface that you come back and really help us build out a very specific series that's focused and and really sensitive to our seniors and senior living and long-term care. So um, Pharmacy Podcast Network listeners expect to hear uh, Dr. Tamara back on the show. But thank you, Tamara. I would love that. Thank you. Thank you.